Welcome to the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. We discuss five questions in 10 minutes, and we are also very excited. This is the premiere episode of season number two, and so I am very excited to welcome two guests from the company's CEO builder. We have Rich Tyson and Kevin Denning, and I'm very excited to have them. I've known them for quite a number of years now, and they are good friends and very knowledgeable and will have a lot to share with us today. So very excited to have these two gentlemen on with us. And I'll go ahead and just ask, uh, what other information, uh, Rich, I think you were going to take this one, but what other information would you like the listeners and the viewers to know about CEO Builder? Well, uh, our tagline for CEO Builder is we build successful CEOs. Our focus has been primarily on small business uh, owners, CEOs, executives, um, and the goal is to help them understand their job and to be successful. We use something we call our business success pyramid, which really builds to uh, ultimately financial success, but built on how well you serve your customer, how well your operations drive customer outcomes, building competency and engagement in your people and recruiting properly. And then overarching all of that, having a great vision for your company. And our real value proposition, if you will, Sean, is that it, we provide learning in the moment of need. We understand that every client isn't the same, but they all have those fundamental elements. And so we try to pick the ones that uh, help them uh, discern what those are and then move toward their solutions for specific needs at the time they have them. And as a result of that, that's been a, a very effective model. We're now in our 32nd year of business. We just celebrated 31st anniversary, actually. So That's fantastic. Congratulations on the number of years that you've been involved with this, but also the success that you've had. And I have seen that pyramid that you were referring to, as well as all of the other elements. And it's, it's a fantastic system that you've developed. So well done and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's go on to our first question then. The first question is, could you please share a success story of collaboration within a team? And I think, Rich, you were going to take this first. Is that right? Yeah, I'm happy to do that. Uh, the one that came to mind, we've, I've had a number of these over the years, but many years ago, I was a production manager for the Avery Label Corporation, Fortune 100 company. And I facilitated the development of MRP, that's Materials Requirement Planning at Avery. This was in the late 1970s. Uh, I brought together a team of six very bright people from the plant floor, and they were all women. Uh, they, I got teased for that a little bit. Uh, people thought I kind of enjoyed hanging out with the ladies, uh, but it was because they were so smart. And, and the opportunity to bring them together to collaborate and create something that had never existed to that point was just a fascinating and wonderful team experience for me. Uh, you know, I played on a lot of teams over the years, and uh, I think there's some collaboration in baseball, a lot of other things, but uh, this was my most important team experience, and it actually led to what I do today, because I enjoy that role of facilitating uh, discovery of ideas and solutions to problems. And so uh, that, that uh, collaboration with a team was developed through some facilitation, my skills were largely in that regard. The real smart people in the room were the women. Uh, they, they created the system, but I had a key role in that, and that was a lot of fun for me. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Kevin, what uh, kind of an example or story would you like to share? Thanks, John. Um, one thing that comes to mind is a, a time when I was uh, working as an engineer in a small company, and 
and we had a development team making new product and, and enhancing uh, existing product and those things. And uh, we made electronic test equipment. And it was a small team, and each of us had our very own unique roles in what was going on. I, at the time, I did the mechanical and printed circuit board design. We had a hardware engineer. We had an embedded software engineer. And then we had a PC engineer that did the code for the computer. And what was interesting is there was one of each of us, and that was it. That's all we had. But the best part of it was that everybody on the team recognized everybody else's contributions, that they completely respected, gave complete trust and encouragement and credit uh, to everybody else on the team. And one of the things that was most fulfilling for me was the fact that, that we always gave credit to each other for what they did and their contributions. Because there was such trust in the group, we were able to do some amazing innovation, product development at unheard of speeds. Uh, everything just worked and it worked well. And it was because everybody recognized that we all had a role to fill. We all did our best and we valued each other greatly and, and the contribution that was being made. And it was, it was an amazing experience for all of us. We still, some almost 30 years later, talk about that time and what a, what a great experience it was. Thanks for sharing that story. And thanks also for kind of highlighting why the collaboration was successful, because that's a lot of what I'm hoping the listeners will gain is what makes a team successful in their collaborative efforts. So thank you for sharing that. And since I'm uh, chatting with you at the moment, let's go on to the uh, second question. I'll have you start on this one. I hear thanks. from other leaders of teams that it can be a challenge to measure engagement. What are your thoughts? Um, I, I believe that's true. I think it's hard to measure engagement. It's not like you can, you can sit down and, and say, how engaged are you from one to 10, you know, kind of thing that, that just doesn't work. But I, and, and especially since all of us in our, whatever we do, there's kind of an ebb and flow, you know, sometimes we're in a, a hot seat, so to speak, and, and on a critical path, and there's a lot of pressure and a lot of things going on. And other times, we're a little bit more in the background. And, and because of that, I think looking at engagement is, is one of those things that you have to look at what people are doing um, more than, than just checking a box. So for example, are they missing work? Are they late? Are they complaining? Are they, are they making excuses? I think that's signs of a disengaged person. Uh, on the other hand, are they asking questions? Are they passionate about what they do? Do they, do they contribute? Um, maybe a, a small, just short list of things that I look at specifically. So for example, their attitude. Is it a positive attitude? And more importantly, are those that work with them positive about that work experience? Uh, I think that's a great indicator of engagement. Are they communicating? Are they talking and sharing both problems and successes and, and where they're challenged and all that? If they're communicating with others or did they go dark in the back corner and they're just trying to hide? Um, do they think about others? Do they care about, just like I mentioned on that great team, are they concerned 
just as much about everybody else or are they kind of being self-centered? I think that's a good indicator of engagement. Um, are they looking to improve things, make them better, cheaper, quicker, things that, that make a difference to the company? Are they getting better themselves? So are they improving their own skills, their own contribution, their own uh, value as an individual and a person? And probably as much as anything, are they talking up the company? In other words, do they share with all their friends what a great place it is and how uh, what a what a great place it is to work? And and when I get an ongoing list of people wanting to see if there's openings in the company, I know that whoever they're talking to is highly engaged. Those are some great ideas and great lists and symptoms of maybe some struggle areas as well as some really good reasons and, and how to measure engagement. Those are great comments. Rich, what would you like to add? Well, I would certainly agree that measuring engagement is difficult. Uh, I think you often feel it more than you measure it. I think uh, Kevin's comments are that way. You, you can observe high engagement and feel it more than you can actually measure it. However, uh, we've worked with uh, one of our great uh, associates, we call him a faculty member, uh, Dr. Brett Savage. And Brett has got an interesting system where he asks CEOs to rank order their employees according to what he calls their individual contribution, mm. uh, top to bottom. And this tends to correlate the competency and engagement of each person with the outcomes the company is desiring to achieve. And it gives the CEO more clarity regarding who to reinforce in their engagement and who they may need to do some additional coaching with. Often we have someone who is highly competent but for some reason their engagement wanes. And uh, statistically, we know that only about three out of 10 nationally, internationally are fully engaged. About five are semi-engaged. Those are uh, you know, great fertile soil for saying, let's figure out why you're not engaged. And then there's usually a couple who are totally disengaged and we have to decide, are these people going to stay on the team or not? But again, it, it's a function of feeling, but. Uh, Brett's great system says, okay, how do they contribute? Uh, are they competent? Are they really, uh, as Kevin said, solving problems, jumping in where they can, uh, going beyond the, the job description sometimes? Uh, uh, that can be a problem, but by and large, if you've got somebody who really cares, they're not going to stop at the edges of that job description. They're going to try to grow and evangelize the company, and you feel that that individual contribution helps with actually some level of measuring as to employee engagement. Great comments. Thanks for adding those. And thanks to both of you for such great insights on engagement and ways to measure it or symptoms to look for. So I really appreciate those. Question number three, and uh, we'll give each of you an opportunity to respond to this one as well. But the question is, what is one essential characteristic of a confident leader? Kevin, you want to start with this one? Sure, you bet. <clears throat> One that I think that's often uh, overlooked is trust. Um, you need to both trust yourself. You know, if you're if you're putting in the time and the effort and the energy, and you're trying to to be a good leader, and you're learning, and you're you're looking for ways to to do things better. Um, we all make mistakes. We all kind of trip once in a while, but we need to trust that 
that our efforts are going to pay off in the long run. And, and more importantly, I think we have to trust our people. Mm. Um, others have great ideas. Others are contributing in many, many ways, and we need to trust them to do their job and to do it well. And as they do that, they're going to trust us as a leader. Uh, it, it's it's got to be, you know, it, it becomes both ways. If if our employees sense we don't trust them, we have to make all the decisions. We have to be kind of at the center of all of that. They're not going to trust us and give us their best. You know, they're just going to be a warm body that is that is waiting for the next paycheck. Uh, if 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 we can learn to trust them, they will trust us. That will build our confidence. We can share credit with everybody. We can we can grow, and we can be better because of everybody's contribution. And and I think I think trust is one of those key things that that is often missed. That's a great one. I like that trust. Thank you, Rich. What would you like to add? Well, uh, I may throw you a little curveball here. Uh, I think that the most important essential characteristic of confident leaders is humility. Mm. Uh, now, often people will say humility is the opposite of confidence. And uh, our experience is, no, that's not the case. In fact, it is a combination of humility and confidence that creates great leadership. Confidence is certainly important, but that can counterfeit into hubris and pride, arrogance, uh, this becomes a, a real problem in a, a leader that's thinks they're all that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the be all end all. I have all the answers. It cuts you off from the input and the strength, the trust, even as Kevin has talked about of others. And so the best leaders are humble enough to take a questioning and listening posture with their people, encouraging and validating their inputs. And this helps them build that collaborative team atmosphere that we talked about earlier, as opposed to command and control. I'm the boss. I'm the smartest. Uh, and we, we move then from a me culture to a we culture. You have to understand as a leader that if you're the CEO, you're the president, you're the owner of the company, almost anything you say resonates louder than anybody else, just by virtue of your position. Mm -hmm. But if you're humble enough to invite inputs and really listen and be all in, then I think you, you balance that confidence with humility. And uh, that creates great leaders. Great comments. Thanks to both of you. Those are really great insights on how to develop confident leadership. So that's great. Question number four. Is there a person that you'd like to recognize that has had an influence in your life or maybe someone that is a... Um, maybe someone that is, uh, just a, has had an influence in the past or they'd like to give a shout out to whatever it may be. Rich, let's have you go first on this one. Sure. Well, uh, I don't know how many of, of your listeners or viewers would know this fellow. Uh, he's no longer with us. He's passed on. His name's Carlos Acey. But, uh, early in my career, he and I both worked for the same organization and I was the financial controller and, uh, I was wrongfully accused of, a violation of my fiduciary responsibilities. Uh, certainly could have had me uh, terminated, maybe even thrown in jail for the uh, what I was accused of doing. I was devastated that anyone would make such an ac accusation. Initially, I was a very young man. I was very humble, very fearful. Uh, I thought I, I was going to lose my job. 
And uh, I knew it was an unwanted attack, but at first I just kind of froze in place. And then after thinking about it a little bit, I got angry and Carlos came to me uh, and he provided just the right counsel for me at that time. He assured me that the accusation would be easily dismissed and he complimented me on my lack of reactiveness uh, when I was first accused. And then he said, however, at some point you're gonna get mad and you're gonna wanna strike back. And I was already about there. And he said, let me counsel you, please don't do that. Keep your cool and you'll come out on top of this. He rescued me from the anger that was welling up and caused me at that point to kind of want to seek revenge. And I did come through it well. And, and it was just a great lesson for me at that point in my life that's helped me not be as reactive to negativity that it, it inevitably emerges in our lives from time to time in our work. If we can maintain our calm and, and even in those incidences where we say, hey, I, I was totally mistreated here. If, if we can hang on to that sense of, of uh, keeping your head and, and staying calm and reasonable, you're so much more likely to solve problems. Carlos gave that gift to me. Wow, that's a great story. Thanks for sharing that. And also thanks to Carlos for his influence on helping you through a, clearly a very difficult situation. Kevin, who would you like to recognize? Um, I, you know, as I thought about this, there's so many people that have had good influences on me and, and helped me out. But one that I have to recognize is my father. Mm. Um, when I was a teenager, I worked at the same company as my father. And, and I remember one specific situation where, uh, there was a heated argument. One of the employees of the company was basically trying to pick a fight with my dad. And this guy was, was pointing his finger and he was yelling and cursing and, and everything else. And he was right in my dad's face. And my dad was just as calm and collected as could be. Never raised his voice, never didn't get red in the face, nothing. Absolutely just calm, cool, and collected. And this guy was throwing around all kinds of accusations and other things that just, just weren't true. And I don't know why he wanted to pick a fight with my dad, but he did. And uh, I think he wanted to get my dad in trouble and figured he could probably take my dad. I'm not so sure. But uh, anyway, after it was all over and this fellow left, I asked my dad about it. I said, why didn't you get mad? You know, why didn't you get upset? What he was saying wasn't true. And, 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 this, and, and my father gave me some really great counsel. Uh, he said, never let anyone else, and he did say, especially stupid people, uh, <laughs> control your reactions and your emotions. He said, you're in control of those. Nobody can make you mad. If you are mad, you choose to be mad. If you're upset, you choose to be upset. And he said, never let anybody control your emotions. And you know, I took that to heart, and I've tried to practice that over the years. Um, at work, it's it's funny, people have said, you know, in all the situations and everything that's ever happened, uh, the last company I was with, I was there for 28 years. They said, we've never seen you mad or upset. And I have to give credit to that to my dad. Now, my kids had argued that point. That, <laughs> that they've seen me upset, but but it was such great counsel and it's so true. And and I'm I'm totally grateful for that, that wisdom and that advice. 
Oh, I love that story. Thank you so much for sharing that. I always love it when uh, when people recognize family members, parents, and so on. So thanks for sharing that. Our last question, tell us about your first job. Kevin, why don't you go ahead and kind of continue on with, uh, with your kind of background story there. But tell us a little bit about your first job. Well, this one, this one uh, is, is kind of nostalgic in a way. Uh, my first job was pumping gas at a Texaco gas station. Um, this was back in the day when I'd approach the driver, ask him what they wanted, whether they wanted fire chief or sky chief fuel. Uh, this is back when we didn't use the names of regular and premium. Matter of fact, premium was called Ethel at the time. Um, and, and I'd ask how much they wanted and I would fill their car. And while the gas was pumping, I would check their oil and wash their windshield and, um, and, and all those things. And when it was done, if they paid cash, I'd, I'd run in and take care of that and bring them change. If they gave me a credit card and debit cards didn't exist then either, uh, they'd give me a credit card. I'd run in our impression machine, the credit card with the little form that had carbon paper in it and everything. And I would make an impression of their card and take that slip on a clipboard out and have them sign it and give them their copy. Um, and, and I'd bring it up in the manual cash register. And at the time I was 12 years old and I made 50 cents an hour. <laughs> wow. What, what state was that in Viney? I'm just curious. That was Montana. Montana? Yeah. Real quick. I don't usually comment too much, but um, I, I grew up in Oregon. And I think even to this day, it's still a uh, state where they don't allow self-serve. And so they still have people come out and pump your gas and check all those things. And so I, I can relate very well to what you're describing. Thanks for sharing that, Kevin. Rich, you tell bet. us about your first job. Well, uh, mine's not nearly so nostalgic. It's uh, not, not necessarily great memories. My first job was picking pickles. Uh, wow. It was a summer gig and it paid a penny a pound. And of course, pickles don't start out as pickles. They began as small cucumbers that ultimately find their way into a vat of brine en route to becoming pickles. And you may not realize how many pickle-sized cucumbers it takes to make a pound, but it's a lot. And <laughs> didn't take me long to figure out that bigger cucumbers would weigh up to a pound a lot faster than their puny nephews. And so, uh, of course, when I marched in with my first sack of big cucumbers, the farm supervisor took one look at my offering and he dumped it into a box marked Culls. And he thanked me for helping cull the crop and informed me that I had not picked anything that I would be paid for. So on that first sack of cucumbers, I made nothing. I was disheartened. I returned to a long day of what I describe as back bending, body aching, sweaty pickle picking. And after about nine hours, I had made just over $2. So Kevin, my hourly wage was a whole lot than your 50. <laughs> <laughs> I, I quickly determined that this was not how I wanted to make money. So my first day on the job was also my last day on the job. I resigned <laughs> in about a week. I secured a high paying job bagging groceries. 
There you go. That was it. (laughs) Oh, that's a great story. I've had uh, a number of guests that have indicated that their first job was a day long. And sometimes that was of their choosing and sometimes it was not of their choosing, (laughs) but uh, but you are the first pickle picker that we've had. So that's kind of a fun phrase, pickle picker. I like that. So (laughs) thank you so much for sharing that. And both to both of you, Kevin and Rich, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. How can people find you or if they want to get a hold of CEO Builder, how can they get in touch with you? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, if you go to our website, it's www.ceobuilder.com and you'll find us there. Uh, we have blogs there so you can get acquainted with a lot of what we're thinking and talking about working with clients. Uh, there are a number of case studies and just things where you can easily delve in at no cost to you to figure out what we're about. There's testimonial videos and so forth. Uh, in addition to that, we have our own uh, YouTube CEO Builder channel. And uh, there you'll see a lot of me. Uh, um, we need to get more and more of Kevin. Uh, he has great stories and value to bring, but he's also our technologist that's helping us with all the filming and so forth. So I'm a little more out in front of the camera than he is, but we, we do this together and uh, certainly work on the content together. So uh, we would love to have you take a look at that uh, CEO Builder uh, channel on YouTube. Uh, Please subscribe. We, we love to have subscribers. And if you have comments, uh, yay or nay, we like to hear those as well. So, uh, but we'd, we'd love to have some connection with just about anybody. Uh, CEO Builder isn't necessarily for everyone. Uh, often the best ways we get acquainted is we will invite uh, those who are interested to, a, uh, to come as our guests to a forum where we bring in strong speakers, what we call MBA level education. Uh, Sean has been one of those certainly, and uh, we'll draw on him again in the future. And so uh, we do that. And then also we're happy to do a complimentary coaching session just to see if it fits. We're a community of lifelong learners. And again, we focus in on your specific needs and uh, love to do that. And we have a little bit of business experience, again, uh, uh, 31 years with this and uh, about 50 years of business experience for me now. I have a Harvard MBA. Uh, Kevin also has an MBA, but we don't hang our hat on that. It's all about you as a customer and how we can best help you and zero in on your needs and help fulfill those, uh, uh, get you where you need to be. Fantastic. Thank you very much to both of you again. This is Sean Richards with the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. For more ideas, you can go to teamengagementpodcast.com. Again, teamengagementpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Thanks so much for joining us today, and have a great day.